Good morning, everyone. It's so lovely to hear such a buzz in the room and people chatting and everything. It's great to see you guys. Um, we had a lovely, powerful time for the last 24 hours in our prayer room and then our worship night last night. I don't know if Hannah's got the wee pics. Um, I just loved seeing people's prayers, seeing a sea of yellow post-its, thanking God for things and people crying out to see his kingdom come. And then last night at our reset worship night, it was just so lovely to hear different people sharing um, things that God had been saying to them and just encouraging all of us. Like, I just loved it so much. And then I was talking to someone on the way out who said, you know, how powerful it is that you can come in feeling one way and leave feeling another way, but it's because you've worshipped God and you'd encountered him and he changes things. And that's what I love about coming to church um, and being with all of you guys and being with God, that he can change our lives. And the circumstances of what we're going through might not be transformed when we're here on a Sunday, but how we encounter it, how we feel about it and how we journey with it. God in it all can certainly change so that's my prayer for us this morning as we start our new series well Paul kind of started it last week really well talking about margins and everything and I just want to pick up on some of that stuff this week and dive in a wee bit to what Sabbath means so I don't know how some of you have started this year 2023 like maybe some of you are really excited, you're expectant, you're like, come on, bring it on a new year, I'm excited, let's see what's going to happen, new possibilities. And maybe some of you are a wee bit wary of a new year, you're like, oh, what's going to happen this year? You know, have I got the energy for it? What's What it's going to be like? Maybe you're weary, and probably if I'm being honest, I might say I'm a bit more weary than way hey. But I wonder as well, what starts coming up if you're watching TV at this time of year? Yes, it's adverts for holidays, right? So these things just start coming up when you're watching TV or whatever, flicking through a magazine, on Facebook, whatever it is. Lovely beaches, scenery, people relaxing, drinks, nice food, walks. And that's kind of like this thing for us, like, oh, this is what you need. This is what you need to look forward to. And the marketing departments of companies the world over know that that's what, partly what we're longing for, you're aching for this kind of life. But we don't necessarily have it and they're trying to sell it to us, you know. I feel like partly that's what we're encouraged to do, you know, just wait till the next thing, wait till the next break, wait till the next holiday. Whether you're hopping on an aeroplane or going somewhere warm or whether you're having a wee trip up to the north coast, it's like, oh, just wait till the next break, the next rest. And um, I was talking to a friend recently who was able to go on a really beautiful holiday last year. It was a special milestone and one of those we probably won't do this again type holidays. And although she had an absolutely amazing time, it didn't stop her feeling stressed at work before she left and when she came back she was still stressed at work. So what are these advertisers actually trying to sell to us? Well I would say they're actually selling Sabbath and the word Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew and it literally means to stop 
seas or be damned. And the irony of it is you can't actually buy Sabbath and you don't have to. You don't need to save up your money and buy a lovely new sofa to chill out on or your dream holiday or some new loungewear to experience Sabbath. You actually just need to stop. And this ache for Sabbath, this thing inside of us for what the spiritual writer Marva Dawn called a Sabbath spirituality, a life we're at peace with God and live with joy. It's not you. Jesus writes about, or we hear about it in Jesus' words in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I really love it in the message version as well. And I know some of you love this too. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out in religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I just think that's so captivating and what we would love our lives to be and that's what we want to explore a bit more together. So I wonder how many of you get asked, how are you? And your answer is, oh, I'm just really busy or I'm just really tired. Many of us feel this way and why is that? Well, actually part of the reason is of course to do with our actual bodies. And up until recently in human history, you know, most people actually slept 10 to 11 hours per night. And the average in Western nations now, does anyone want to take a guess what the average is? Six is right. So turn to the person next to you and tell them how many hours average you think you get of sleep per night. Okay, that's a lot of chat about how much sleep. Okay, so there is a lot of research from neuroscientists, right? Stop talking about your sleep. Okay, seriously, give you an inch. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so there's lots of research from neuroscientists on the devastating effect of insufficient sleep on our mind and our body. And I know for some people there's seasons of life where that is unavoidable. I hear you parents with little ones. But if it becomes chronic for far too, for too long, that is not good for us. And we're diminished in our person because we're tired. And it's not just our bodies that are tired. In Jesus' language, it's also our souls that are tired. So even if you get to go on holiday and you get to rest and you get to have some lions, there's you get to, you feel like you've caught up on your physical sleep, but there's a psycho-spiritual exhaustion that we all experience because of the modern life that we live. So we'll all agree, for many of us, life feels busy, hurried, frantic. There's constant noise. There's that work culture for many of us that you've never switched off. You're always on, on, on. There's the rising cost of living, more people working multiple jobs to stay afloat. There's, of course, the digital age, your phone that never stops buzzing. There's a constant stream of alerts. 
We've said all this before, the turn of the 24-7 news cycle, filling us with fear or worry or whatever. Politics is so polarized. Seems like no matter what country you're in. And there's that radical individualism and the epidemic of loneliness, which some have called the greatest health crisis of our time. We've talked about loads of these things before, and it's just too much for us to carry. And it's no wonder our answer is often that we're so tired. And this exhaustion isn't just a, an emotional thing or a medical thing. At its core, it is actually a spiritual problem. Because if we follow Jesus, he said the greatest commandment in all of scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And love is how we measure our spiritual journey. But if we're tired, if we're exhausted, it's really hard for us to be loving or to bear the fruit of the spirit. Jesus also said the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come and choke the world, making it unfruitful. And maybe it's a hard truth, but if love for God and obedience are two sides of the same coin, as Jesus taught us, it's hard to love God, isn't it, when you feel that worn down? When you're tired, you're more prone to sin, and it's hard to love other people. I don't know about you, but don't really want Paul to speak up at this point, but some of my worst moments as a, a human, a friend, or even in the office, or as a wife, or as a mom, or when I'm stressed, when I'm exhausted, or when I'm in a hurry. It's true, isn't it? We're just more irritable, impatient, selfish, whatever. It's like we go into survival mode, like, I need to get through this, and I'm not going to be able to have margin for anything or anyone else. And I just really think that's not Jesus' will for our lives, to just feel tired or sleep-deprived or unhappy or living with no margin, as Paul was sharing with us last week about creating margin in our lives. So um, I've been listening a lot to this guy, John Mark Comer. Some of you might have heard of him. He was a pastor in America, and now he's running Practice in the Way, which is an organization helping churches with spiritual formation. And I got loads of this helpful stuff from him. And he was explaining how he began a weekly practice of Sabbath 15 years ago. And at the time, he was church planting. He was working six or seven days a week. He was just feeling stressed. And every year, he just said, I felt less loving. I wasn't more loving. I was running on anger, on edge. I was worn thin. And he didn't feel he had... Um, he wasn't being present to his family and his life or even to God, like it was becoming functional. And he says the practice of Sabbath literally changed the trajectory of his life and he has vowed that he will do that for the rest of his life. And for him it's a weekly thing, a weekly experience of transformation. And when I read that, I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty good to me. So um, I'm really excited for us to explore this together. So I wonder how many of you would let your phone get down to this point. 20% low battery. That's enough to send some of our teenagers into a blind panic. <laughs> um, I read this thing one time. If you want to annoy your teenagers, don't take away their phone, take away their charger. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> and chargers are in short supply in our house anyway, because they keep mysteriously going missing. So I wonder um, how many of you let yourself get to this point. You know, if you imagine your life as a 
Um, your life energy is a power bar, like power bar, like the one in your phone. So if you think of 100% is Jesus saying life in all its fullness, and not percent is dead, like nothing there. And when do we normally rest? We probably don't normally rest till we're dangerously tired, like maybe 20 or 30%. And when we do take a rest, it's not enough to bring the battery back up to full. It's just enough to keep us going, isn't it? But what do we miss out on that last 30%, that fullness part that God calls us to live in? It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and more. And the best stuff comes out of us, doesn't it, when we're rested? Wisdom, insight, hope, vision for the future, grace for other people's shortcomings, grace for our own, energy to do our best work. And that's why rest is so essential to discipleship with Jesus. And the end goal is to become a person in love with God. And we can't do that, as I've said, if we're tired. So is there a practice from the way of Jesus to reorientate us away from all this oh, exhaustion and towards life to the full? Well, the practice of Sabbath. So as I said, the word Sabbath or Shabbat in Hebrew literally means to stop. And it also can mean to rest, to delight, and even to worship. And practice in the way frame Sabbath in those four things, stop, rest, delight, and worship. And that's what we're going to look at over the next four weeks. But today, I literally want us to think about stop. So if you have a Bible, you could turn to Genesis chapter 2. I just want to read a couple of verses here um, from Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So notice there, God Sabbathed. You might have read this passage a lot before, but does it stand out to you, God Sabbathed? And you might be sitting there saying to me, you know, but I'm just like, a really high capacity person, I've just got lots to do, but God Sabbathed. You might say, well, you know, I've just got so much going on in my life right now, but God Sabbathed. You might say, well, I've got little kids at home and I'm starting a business, but God Sabbathed. God, the creator of the universe, stopped. And in doing so, he built that into the fabric of creation, a rhythm of rest. We work for six days and then we Sabbath and we stop for one. And every single society in the history of civilization has built, been built around that seven-day week. And here's one for the science geeks. Last week, we had the math geeks. <laughs> but um, the week is the one unit of time that's not tied to the movement of the stars. So the day is tied to the Earth's 24-hour rotation. The moon, the month, sorry, is tied to the moon's lunar cycle and the year to the Earth's journey around the sun. But the seven-day week is not. It is actually built out of God's own life rhythm. So, and for you history buffs, um, the last time a serious attempt was made to change the seven-day week was in 1793 during the French Revolution. And they attempted a 10-day week to up productivity. But what was the result? Productivity went down and worse, there was a rash of suicides and a spread of mental illness. 
And I wonder if our generation is trying to do that, reliving the French Revolution, not the chopping your head off part, but the, you know, the go, 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 the non-stop. And it's not because the government's decided let's have a 10 day week, it's because our modern life just throws out those rhythms and we do end up with no kind of rhythm at all. You know, our phones, our cars, our alarm clocks, our electricity, all our modern things have created this world where we just keep going and we don't stop. But God created us to be different, the human body and the planet to live in a rhythm. And if you think about it, there's that rhythm between day and night, waking and sleeping. There's a rhythm between the noise and activity of spring and summer and the quiet and dormancy of autumn and winter, what Kate said earlier about hunger and dying. There's that tidal rhythm between the land and the sea over the earth. Within our own bodies, there's that rhythm as we inhale and we exhale. And if we lose that sense of rhythm, we're losing part of our humanity and who we're meant to be. You know, we're not machines, we have souls, and we're not created to just keep going 24-7. So when we live without these rhythms, without the Sabbath, we go against what God's created and built into our body and into creation. So that all sounds negative, like if we don't do it, we might feel those burnt-out stress feelings, but if we do do it, we're going to reap the reward, and I'm excited to see what happens as we practice this and embrace it. So... Just a few pretty people who like scientific evidence. A medical study was done on a large community of Christians in America who practiced the Sabbath. The study found that they're happier, not only happier on average than the general population, but they actually live 11 years longer than other Americans. So one doctor pointed out if you add up the time to go to the Sabbath over a life, that is actually around 11 years. So his theory was if Every day that you Sabbath, you literally add a day to your life. So that sounds pretty good. So this is a six-in-one rhythm built into the fabric of God's world. And God commands it later in Scripture. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and it's all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Then he, um, sorry, I've lost my place. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it's not just God saying, oh, here's a good idea for you guys. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments, and it's the longest of the Ten Commandments. If you made a pie chart, it would actually be 37% of it. And in God's economy, it's just as important as the not lying, stealing, or killing parts. But yeah, if you think about it, it's the only commandment we would brag about breaking. You know, even in this modern world, not many people go about bragging about how many lies they told that week or how many affairs they've had. But we'll brag about how many days in a row we've been at work or how we caught up or on our emails or whatever. And I think busyness becomes a badge, doesn't it? It becomes the social status. You know, the busy, busier you are, the more important you seem. But that is the opposite. That's not the way of God. And there's been debate with Christians about whether the Sabbath is a binding commandment on followers of Jesus and whether we have to keep it. But I think that's an irrelevant question because whether it's binding or not, it's wisdom for us. You know, it's, it helps us become a people of love. It, it can change our lives. So it's not about whether we have to do it or not. 
It's what God says to us through it. And Jesus said in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And he was speaking to people in that generation in the Bible. Think of the Pharisees. They had hundreds and hundreds of rules around the Sabbath that warped God's intent behind the day. And first century Jews maybe needed to hear the second half of that line, that people weren't made for the Sabbath. And John Mark Comer argues that most 21st century Christians need to hear the first part, that the Sabbath was made for people. He says that our problem isn't that we have too many rules for the Sabbath, it's that we don't have any. But I just wonder, sitting in this room this morning, what do some of you need to hear today? Because I think in Northern Ireland, some of us have um, some, if, if I say the word Sunday or keep Sunday special or Sabbath, maybe that doesn't bring up positive things. Like I remember when I was in my early 20s and I first went over to England and some of my friends would be like, well, shall we go into town? You know, let's go into town and go shopping. And I remember thinking in my head, well, it depends what you're going shopping for. Like, if we're going for a pint of milk, that's okay. But if you're, like, going clothes shopping, you know, that's not okay. And I was thinking, gosh, I need to work out before the Lord what my thoughts are about this because it can be all about rules. And maybe some of you grew up with that, you know, rules on a Sunday, like no TV, no football. I've heard of people having swings tied up in the park. <laughs> I don't know, but... And for some of us who are younger, like maybe that's, maybe you think of Sabbath and you're like, well, what is that? It's not even a thing. You know, I don't live any day different from the other days. So I'm not trying to create a generational gap here. But maybe there's a mixture of both in us. Maybe the legalistic rules push some of us away from the idea of Sabbath. And it's good to look again and think about what does that actually mean? What's God saying to me now today? And in our lives, what will we do about that? And for me personally, I just feel like this is timely, like I can get caught up in the busyness and keep going. I'm not very good at stopping, I'm not very good at resting or taking time to switch my brain off. And I think that I'm excited for me personally to learn about this and practice it and hopefully we can do it together. So Sabbath is a gift and we need this gift and that is why God calls us to remember the Sabbath. And what kind of things will we remember? when we remember the Sabbath. I love this, the things listed here. We remember there's a creator God. We live in his world and it's good. As I read down this, just ask God to speak to you about which one of these is for you because I think some of us need to really know these things. We remember that there's a rhythm to creation. We remember that we don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. It's never enough. We stop when the rhythm God built into our body says stop. We remember we're not what we do or what we have or what other people think of us. We're who we're deeply loved by. Many of us fear stopping because we fear what emotions will come up. Like, who am I if I'm not doing something, producing something, performing? And Sabbath can be a weekly act of identity formation where we remember I am God's loved one. We remember that our life with God is not a right but a gift. And we remember that the world is full of evil and injustice, yes, but it's also full of goodness and beauty and truth. And we remember that we owe it to God and be grateful and full of joy in his world. 
So Sabbath's more than just a day that we set aside. It's a way of being in the world. It's a day of rest where we cultivate that spirit of restfulness, not restlessness. And in this practice, we can undergo a shift from, yeah, sorry, my computer messed that up, but hurry to busy. No, sorry, not hurry to busy. Hurry to pace, busyness to margin, burnout to sustainable pace, noise to quiet, distraction to clarity, isolation to solitude, crowds to community, grasping to gratitude. And I feel like I'm sharing loads of stuff with you this morning. But as Paul said last week, it's not about doing more things. It's about practicing this and practicing Sabbath. It's not just an idea. It's a practice. And Sabbath is a means to an end. So the end goal of this isn't going to be for us all to put on a big badge and say, hey, look at me, I can practice Sabbath. The goal isn't even to be well-rested and happy, that that's going to be a good part of it. It's to participate in the life and love that God has given to us, to center our lives around him, to live more deeply in him, not just on Sabbath, but all week long. So as the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann said, people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. And that's why Sabbath is on the seventh day, not a break in the middle of the week, day three or four, so we can like have a rest and then get back to being busy. It's what the entire week is about. And we don't have to live this Sabbathless life of non-stop exhaustion. No matter who you are, no matter what your job is, your family life, your stage of life, we can adopt this practice of Sabbath and what we need to do is stop. So I can tell some of you are probably going, yeah, right, okay, how, does, how, how in my life can I do this? So I just wanted to finish with giving you some really practical ideas and thoughts about it. So stop. So we're gonna practice this hopefully together and I would really love to hear all of you sharing um, with each other and share with us what happens when you give it a try. And I will actually be super practical and send you an email tonight with these kind of instruct, well, don't want to say instructions, ways to do it. So if you don't want to get the email, just send me one back and say, take me off your list. And if you don't get it and you want to email Chantelle at Carrickford and Sweetheart, it'll make sure you're on the list. And for the people who like paper, I've got 12 copies here who like it on a bit of paper. Um, and if we need more, I can print more. So here's the practical stuff. So pick a time to Sabbath and give it a try. There's three basic options. There's the one that probably springs to mind for most of us that might be what we used to on a Sunday, which is helpful for many of us as it's our day of worship. So church and after church and, and the day of Sunday. There's a traditional Sabbath, which is from sundown on Friday night to the same time on Saturday. Or for some of you who do have um, different work schedules or shift patterns, um, you could do the midweek Sabbath as well. And we totally understand that weekends don't always work for everyone. And if you're sitting there thinking, Chantelle, a whole day to stop, are you kidding me? If that feels like too much right now, well, that's fine. Start where you are. Maybe set aside a three to four hour time period, maybe after church on a Sunday or on a weekend night. Turn off your phone and just stop. 
And if possible, maybe try and keep the same time each week because then your body will get used to it. It'll kind of memorize the day and it'll start to anticipate it before you do it and it'll live off the energy and joy afterwards. So in biblical theology, the day, we think of our days as beginning in the morning when we get up, but in biblical theology, the day begins at sundown, not sunrise. And maybe at the end of the week, we're, we're just so tired and it's hard to enjoy the Sabbath. So there is a recommendation that you start it at night. So you could start with a, a meal together with family or friends. And we'll talk about that more in the upcoming weeks. Or just light a candle and say a short prayer before you fall asleep. So there are just some suggestions of how you can start to practice Sabbath if you don't already. And then secondly, it's good to kind of mark the beginning and the end of it. So there's a traditional Jewish or Sabbath ceremony called the Kaddush, and you begin with lighting candles, praying and eating a meal with your family, and then at the end you pray and share what the highlight of your Sabbath has been. So you can do that, or you could let worship at church on a Sunday be the beginning of it, or you could get creative. They say start with a picnic bonfire or a hot bath, but I'm not sure we'll be starting with a picnic in January. <laughs> but you can be creative about how you want to do this and um, beginning and end. And then last one is pick one to three Sabbath activities to enter into the spirit of Sabbath. So these are 12 common activities when you read wider Sabbath literature that fill up a traditional Sabbath. So I won't read them all out, but lighting candles, eating a meal, expressing gratitude, worshiping with your church. So all of these are in the email that I'm gonna send out to you. So just pick one to three that your heart is drawn to, that sound appealing to your personality and stage of life and see what happens. So you can see the whisper starting which one you pick. <laughs> I knew that would happen. I knew someone would comment on that. Anyway, there's always one. And it's Paul. Control yourselves, enough. Anyway, so in the notes, if you go to the next one, Hannah, there's a wee reach exercise. If you really feel like drawn to this and you're like, yes, I really want this in my life, there's another exercise for if you want to read even more and go further. But then the good thing is to reflect on this. You know, we don't just change when we experience something. We change when we experience it and then we reflect on it. And if we want to get the most out of this, it's about doing it, then reflecting on it. And you can do that on your own or with others. But here's just three simple questions that will help you. So when you stop, when you start to practice Sabbath, if you don't already, take 10 minutes out to maybe write down the answers to these questions. Where did, it, where did I feel resistance? Where did I feel delight? And where did I most experience God's nearness? And I really want to say, you know, resistance, this, might, this could be life-changing. It's not always going to be easy for some of us. We're, we're not really living like this right now. We are all go, go, go. So this is a stop in a good way. For some of us, maybe this is actually going to be undoing negative experiences we've had in the past around it. Um, and for some of us, to stop will just feel unnatural. And you know, we're actually going against the way of the world. The world 
doesn't tell us to do this at all. The world encourages us not to stop and not to rest and not to encounter God. So I think it is really countercultural, and I think as well the enemy's not going to like us living in the life of the fullness that God has for us. So we're going to experience resistance, and don't make, don't let that make you think, oh, what's going on here? I think it's going to be natural. So that was a lot of information for you, and. Um, I just think we should take just some time now to stop and be with God. And I just wanted to share, for me personally, at the end of last year, I was kind of thinking ahead to this year and wondering and kind of asking God, you know, what's in store for this new year? You know, what or what should we do in church? What are you saying to us as a church family? What should we be talking about? And I was reading a bit about this, about Sabbath and rest, and I was wondering... You know, is this what we should be sharing about God? And if I'm being totally honest, I was doubting myself and I was feeling so unsure. But then I remembered Paul was talking on resilience at one, on one of the talks in that series and at the end of November. And he mentioned for us to renew our love and devotion to Jesus and to create margin in our lives. And I wrote down in big capital letters, Sabbath beside that. And then Kate spoke in December when she shared on In the Beginning and she talked about Jesus becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighbourhood and she asked this question, are we present to the God who's present to us and that he's waiting for us to be with him and how we needed to find a way to turn down that pressure gauge and think about rhythms. And again, I wrote down beside it in big capital letters, Sabbath, turn down the dial, come away with me. So then, whenever I was thinking about all this, I just thought, why am I doubting myself so much? And even in this last week or so, I've realized that doubts in my own head were turning into negativity. And doubts about what we should share were escalating my head into things like, I don't know what I'm doing, I should have this all worked out, and so on. But God is so kind to us, isn't he? And, a couple of people said really timely, encouraging things to me that started pulling me back. And I just felt the Lord say to me, stop. You don't have to have it all worked out. I just ask you to follow me to abide, to rest, to remain in the vine. You know those verses we shared earlier, come to me, all your weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I just wonder if we don't make the time to stop because there's things in our own minds too that don't slow down and don't stop. And I just really wanted to pray that for us this morning. Um, and I'm just going to take a moment to stop and pray. And then after that, we'll worship. But I just really encourage you guys to stop for a minute and close your eyes. And just be in God's presence. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any way, offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God's asking us to stop. Stop running around. Stop running away. Stop trying to fix it yourself. And there's things we need to stop in our minds. I don't know 
if some of your thoughts were like mine. So maybe they're different, only you know what they are. And some of them start with that means. I'm thinking this, so that means. That means I don't know what I'm doing. That means they don't like me. That means I'm a rubbish partner, parent, leader, teacher, whatever. I can't do this. I need to have it all figured out. I shouldn't be feeling like this. I feel like those feelings, those thoughts, God is saying stop. Stop and know what's true. Stop and remember those things we said earlier. You're not who you are, you're not what you do, you're who you are and who you're loved by. And I just felt the Lord say as well that some of us might have certain thoughts dependent on our age. And I couldn't believe it because this actually came up at reset last night, but I wanted to pray it for us again. Some of us, if you're maybe, I don't want to make strict age brackets, but under 30s, God is calling you to be a light in your generation. You're not too young. You're not too inexperienced. You can be a light where you are. And you're growing in faith. And if you're over 65, yes, it's time to rest, but we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your experience, all that God's stored up in you. Don't say, oh, my... I've done my time or whatever. Don't disqualify yourself. We need you mothers and fathers to pray. And maybe you're in the middle in between those ages. You might be thinking in either one of those directions and I still don't know enough or I've had my chance or maybe your life just feels too busy. But God said to all of us, come, follow me. I will give rest for your souls. And out of that place, that's the place where you're going to be able to, to love, to love from that place of rest and knowledge in life and all its fullness. So Lord, I just pray you'd help us to stop when those negative thoughts run riot in our minds. help us to practice the Sabbath so that we can live from the fresh rhythm that you've called us to, Jesus. And help us to worship you in spirit and in truth.